Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast, brought to you alongside the awesome guys at Koan, of course. Um, delighted to have you listening again, and this week I'm, I'm joined by Kevin Kill, who is a CEO at Select One. Kevin, thanks for joining us on Giant Talk. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to the discussion on all things OKRs and KPIs. Absolutely, yeah. So we're going to be talking about... Um, you know, how everything can be measurable in a little while and how setting and selecting great metrics is, is key to OKR success. But before we dig into that, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Kevin. So your background, um, you know, who Select are, one are and what they do. Um, and, and you mentioned to me as well, you know, you've got fingers in a couple of other pies as well. So tell us about those whilst we're here. Yeah, I'll just kind of take you on the journey that I've been on. And you went to college for industrial engineering and proceeded to get my MBA once I started working after college. So those are like the two degrees that got me in the world. But um, I started off in manufacturing. I was at a large book manufacturer and magazine manufacturer. We're working within a plant, kind of worked my way up there into a business improvement manager role and then an ops director role of the plant. The plant was a just under a million square feet, had about 800 employees at the time. Um, so that, that was what got my career started. From there, I moved into actually running a chocolate company where we were manufacturing chocolate and for some big brands that most of us have heard of. And then we did some of our own internal brands too there. So that was an interesting world to be in, as many would think. You know, it sounds like it's a fun job. You're great chocolate for people, but um, it's just manufacturing and it always ties back to metrics and that type of world. At the point, this would have been about 10 years ago, I had a chance to go to Boston, Massachusetts. I currently live in Buffalo, New York, and joined the startup community out there through a mutual friend and had the chance to work in three or four different tech startups in a co-working center and just totally changed my trajectory and what I did in my career from going from a typical manufacturing engineering person to more of business and looking at the holistic approach of companies and growth. So. Um, we had a couple successful companies. Intrepid was a mobile strategy shop. Uh, Timber was a music discovery app. Intrepid Labs, which was there, was a co-working center for maturing startups. And it was just an exciting time, a lot of energy, a lot going on in, in that world. Um, around 2013, 2014, I moved back to Buffalo and joined a company called Select One, where I'm currently at. And as part of that, Select One is a professional leadership recruiting firm. We have a major focus on what we call the smarter hiring experience. So the idea behind it is try to take some of the bias, take the guesswork out of it that a lot of people rely on their gut and kind of use data to help drive it, use some behavioral assessments to drive results. And the whole idea is, you know, when you hire someone, you want them to be a fit for just filling a position. You want them to have a long-term impact and growth on the company. And just looking at a piece of paper on a resume doesn't allow that all the time, nor do you always find the best people just by posting a job ad up. So um, I think that's where we come in, uh, very focused on professional leadership positions, degreed up to executive. And we work with a wide range of different industries, but a major focus is around, you know, manufacturing plants. We do a lot of business there, just be the leadership roles there, uh, finance industry, we do tech industry. So um that's sort of what select one is today and what it's become and i've been here for five or six years and worked my way up and now i'm currently the ceo of the company uh i do do some things on the side i have a tech startup called material exchange which does supply chain optimization and it's an open market exchange for raw materials in the manufacturing world got a good team over there i work with that's exciting 
Um, still do some advising for different tech startups, Buffalo and outside of Buffalo, and do some angel investing. So stay pretty busy. But uh, rooted back to the engineering is where pretty data-driven, using data to help drive business and growth and scalability models. Yeah, that's really interesting then. So, I mean, right from the very start of your career, you must have been working heavily with metrics, really, um, you know, in, in the, those manufacturing jobs. Yeah, definitely saw a lot at that point. I mean, as you go through engineering school alone, it's like they ingrain that in your brain. <laughs> how, hmm. how do you measure things? How do you do time studies, right? That's like the first thing you start to learn. And then you have data. Okay, great. We've collected this huge bank of data, but what does it mean? And how do you hmm. use it to create trackable data and information that might move stuff? And then that kind of evolved into the world of OKRs has become where, all right, we collect the data. We have things we measure. What are those measurables? And then how do we actually get results from using those measurements and breaking mm. it down into shorter segments? So um, it's my career starting in 2000 has kind of evolved with as data has become more ingrained in all businesses and seeing how, how you can use them in different ways to drive the results you need. Absolutely. So when did you first come across OKRs? OKRs would have been, I would say, mid to late you know, 2007, maybe at the manufacturing plant, like it became kind of a popular thing. We'd always had KPIs. They're slightly Mm. different. You know, we always had data we track, but it wasn't implemented in a way that you use it to measure individuals' performance or department performance in a shorter Mm. frame to then drive towards a common company goal. So I think, I don't know if they were directly called OKRs at that time. I think everyone had different terminology around it, but it was using data to set measurable goals for individuals and for departments to achieve what the overall company goal was. So I would say it was 0708 at the manufacturing plant. You know, we had 800 people. So um, trying to set that up, it tied into our ISO 9000 uh, certification a little bit. So you always had all these different things you were measuring. Um, so I would say it was around 0708 for sure. Cool. So pretty, uh, pretty long time ago now then, you know, before OKRs were popularized in the way they've become over the past couple of years, certainly. Yeah, definitely. And I think they started off in certain industries, right? Like, you know, Mm. Japan was a big pusher for this type of analysis and how you run a business. And then it kind of came over to the States, but it was very heavy. OKRs were very heavy in the tech industries and they were very heavy in the manufacturing realm then next. Um, I think it's been interesting the last four or five years, you started to see them drift into service industries like Select One is in professional services. Uh, You've seen them drift into marketing firms. Uh, you know, HubSpot out in Boston is a large marketing firm, and they they definitely have some sort of OKR system they use internally. Everyone does a little twist on it, but the basis, the foundation of it is very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, very familiar with HubSpot. We, we use their CRM, actually. So oh, <laughs> it's good. Great, yeah. <laughs> good, little name, good little name drop. Um, okay, so like you say, then, it's interesting how OKRs have seen that shift out of tech and manufacturing and, and into these you know, service industries. How have you found using them in, in recruitment? You know, recruitment's an industry that's it's very dynamic, often seen as quite cutthroat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, in, in the States, in the UK, it's not got the best reputation as an industry. Um, how have you found using OKRs in Select One? So I think, yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. I think the States are very, very similar to what you see in the UK, especially, you know, how the industry is looked at. 
Um, yeah. I think part of that problem is it's so saturated. There's so many competitors. It's, mm. It doesn't have a huge amount of barrier to entry for someone to say, hey, I want to be an executive recruiter. And they can literally sure. pop a laptop open nowadays. LinkedIn and other tools have allowed it to become very simple. Yeah. Um, but does that mean they perform and create value for the client at the level that the client expectation is? And I think that's where you get this bad taste, right? We call it the black eye effect that's occurred into the industry is a couple of bad players make it bad for all the companies who are trying to do it the best they can or do it the yeah. right way. So, um, but how OKRs came into play is you kind of, you step back and, you know, when you're up in the C level, you're kind of looking at the business as a whole and say, what do we want to achieve? Right. And that's where OKRs always start is what do you want the company to achieve? Do you want to achieve a hundred percent revenue growth year over year? Do you want to stabilize some part of the business? Because while things are going well, you might have issues. I, one example, select one in 2015 and 16, we had a customer concentration risk where we had a very high amount of revenue from a single customer. And, you know, we knew of it, but how are we going to address it? And that's where we started with OKRs. Now we didn't implement full on OKRs at select one. Uh, we kind of did a, we took a lot of components of it, but we wanted to simplify it because we were such a small business and Sometimes robust OKR systems in large businesses, especially a new business like Flex One, where we've never seen anything like that, we didn't want to overdo it. Um, we created a BOS or a BOS, you know, business operating system that used mm -hmm. an OKR foundation to it. So we came up with four or five high-level measurable goals for the company. You know, what is our goal and what is our stretch goal? How do we? And it had to be measurable every single month for data purposes. Then we went department by department and said, we need to come up with three to four in each department that drive to that end result that would feed to the company one. And then we never, we had a few individuals who we worked down to, but for the most part at the department level, because of the size we were, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, but, but it was starting to, it was interesting because we didn't collect a lot of data um, when I first started here back in 2014. So 2015 and 16, what we did is instead of trying to implement a robust OKR system or a KPI system, we just collected data. We needed to have data to figure out what actually moved the levers. Once we had this huge database, we were able to start to figure out, okay, here's the numbers that matter. This is what actually will drive results. This is what we can hold people accountable for. This is where the, the levers get moved that help the company and the business overall, like the customer client concentration risk. Um, so we really started understanding our financials and digging deep into them. It wasn't something that was readily seen as an issue for us. We just said, hey, we're making money. This is great, right? Hmm. Um, sure. So that, that's how we started to implement it, I would say, overall. And, you know, we sat down with the leadership team and came up with it. And then we worked with department leads to kind of drive out the next levels of it and figure out what are the important factors. And, um, you know, we had a couple we, – we made sure – there was a people aspect. So each list, you had to have one goal that went directly into people satisfaction levels at the company. If it's development or whatever it is and how you're going to develop training. I know, I think it came down to the department levels. You would do monthly trainings with everyone. So they felt like their career is progressing. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't a crazy measurable goal, but it was something to make sure we were doing something at all times to continue to get a culture that people feel engaged with the company in. Interesting. So you've, you've gone through a bit of an evolutionary process there with your OKRs, which is fantastic because, you know, that's, that's certainly what we advocate at Derby Giants is, 
start somewhere and, and learn and grow with the process as as you go on. Yeah. Um, how did the, you know, you mentioned you're a young company that weren't used to this new way of working. How did the staff react to now having, you know, sort of accountable key results set against them? Um, I think as with anything, when you put something like that in place, there's an initial pushback. But I think the more transparent and clarity through the process you can be, the more adapted it is. And, you know, when we first rolled it out, they're like, is this just to tell me I'm doing a bad job or good job, right? Everyone's first yeah. reaction. Are you yeah. using this just to judge me as an individual? Is it going to cost me my job? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, you can tell everyone, no, 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 this is for the company, right? And what we want to do. And in the long run, it's going to be good for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, there's that natural tendency of people to be on the defensive with it. Um, so we definitely felt that. But our main goal to overcome that was just pure transparency. and. The idea behind it was we have a board on the wall that every goal was going to be posted up there and every, every goal for every department and every person in the company. So, you know, it was a very transparent world. So you knew how everyone was doing and how you could help out different departments and work together because at the end of the day, you know, we really wanted the company to be successful with that. Um, so the transparency and communication was key. And, and it's also the dynamic part I think you talked about, right? This is new to this industry, so we didn't have a playbook to go off of. Sure. Knowing that we were going to make mistakes, admitting that we were going to make mistakes before we even did it was important. And then when you make mistakes, adjusting quickly. So, you know, identifying like, hey, these are the OKRs we think matter. And maybe in two months, we realize, man, this isn't getting the result we expected. And we got to adapt it a little bit. We got to adjust yeah. it. You know, OKRs, KPI tracking, any of business solution, business planning, it's, you got to be agile and you got to be able to adjust to what markets happen and where you're going on the whole. And that's how you can create a successful outcome. Completely agree. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs, helping your teams achieve their objectives, getting them aligned and absolutely helping them stay engaged. Sharing spreadsheets simply doesn't scale when you're trying to grow a business. With Koan, you can scale OKRs across your entire company whilst keeping the teams motivated and moving in the right direction. Now, Lawrence, there's lots of things we love about Koan, but tell me one of yours. So, I've got to say, one of my favourite things is that Koan just allows you to have a bit of fun with the OKR process. Yeah. Um, in, in Series 2, I think it was Episode 3 of this podcast, we actually... <laughs> spent about half an hour, 40 minutes talking about the importance of making OKRs fun for your team. Yeah. Um, and, and Koan allows you to do that perfectly. Yeah. You know, even just things like adding a, a gift to, to your reflections adds some real personality. And I think I probably waste far too much time each week looking for the perfect gift, to be honest. But <laughs> it, it allows that fun throughout the organization. And that's something that's really important if you're going to keep people engaged. You are known for having the best gifts Thank you in, very much. in the team, definitely. <laughs> so if you would like to find out more about how to make OKRs fun uh, whilst using a great system, then pop along to uh, Koan, that's K-O-A-N.co forward slash giants where you'll find also a great paper that we co-wrote with them on how to build accountability and collaboration using OKRs. I'm interested in something you mentioned to Jill in the research call that was done prior to this recording um, about being aware of the human factor when setting metrics. What what did you mean by that? Um, It's it's two different things. So on one end you have 
our industry is human industry, right? So when you sit and look at it and you think about it, a lot of decisions are made that have a human factor involved. It's not like a manufacturing plant. It's not even a, let's say, a marketing professional agency where, you know, here's what the outcome needs to be. It's you're talking to a client who believes they want to hire a certain type of person. So that's a gut feel thing, even if you try to totally eliminate it. And then you're talking to a candidate who has outside influences. So when we talk about OKRs, we could go out and I'll just use some tech terms from our industry. Um, Say I wanted a recruiter to get X submittals per month in, right? And we believe if you do that consistently, the end result is going to be Y placements, which leads to revenue. And that person does a great job. They're a great recruiter. They get the, they hit their numbers, but the end result doesn't come. And the reason is because there's still a human side factor of you can find the best person in the world. You know, you find a fantastic female for a CEO role at a bank. And at the last minute, the deal falls apart because she's married and has three kids and wants to move here. But her husband also needs a job. And we, you know, how does that work? He can't leave his job or she can't leave his job. This stuff happens. And it's, you know, those are human factors that no way can you build into a system. Sure. And so we had to be aware of that, that that could occur. And that's why it wasn't, you know, when we roll out OKRs here, it couldn't be as stringent as like in the manufacturing facility where it's hit your numbers or else. Right. Um, right. And, and there's a human factor that, you know, as much as anyone in any organization, they will try to find ways to not game the system but find ways to make the results what they need them to be as an individual employee. So uh, I think one other example I talked about in the pre-meeting for this was about originally we rolled out, we needed X submittals per week. Well, our team did a great job of doing that, but we didn't see the end result. And part of it was because our quality actually dropped down slightly. We were just trying to make sure we had our middle numbers and our quality wasn't where it needed to be. So we went back, you know, a month into it and said, all right, we need to create a secondary OKR. We don't need to get rid of that submittal one. That's important because production is mm-hmm. important, but we need to create a submittal to interview percentage KPI. So now I'm measuring, we were measuring, here's the quantity we're putting in and here's the quality result we're getting from that. And that helps kind of shore up both ends of that aspect to keep it going. Um, but the human factor, yeah, it's that this industry has this huge amount of, just human emotion that comes in where someone could go through a whole process, six interviews, really excited. And at the last minute they get a counter offer and it fits their lifestyle. And it's yeah. something you didn't even know about. Right. Um, you, so that's where that understanding how humans think and the different aspects of the human behaviors, you got to make sure you adjust somehow in the KPIs and don't make your whole business just run off of them. No, that's really interesting to be honest, because, you know, coming back to what I was saying earlier about the, recruitment industry one of the things you often hear is you know it's it's actually pretty cutthroat in terms of numbers it is sort of you know you hit these numbers or or you're out of it kind of thing um mm-hmm. so it's 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 quite refreshing to hear you talking about the the more uh, human side of of how the industry can be and the things you need to take account of when setting the okrs with people mm-hmm. um yeah that that example you touched on there as well about how you saw the rise in the number of candidates being put forward, which I guess is exactly what you wanted, but your net promoter score over candidate quality um, and customer service dropping is really interesting because I think that's something a lot of people need to be careful about, isn't it? 
you can you can set an OKR and it can have a negative impact on another part of the business that you weren't anticipating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's, you know, it can happen in a lot of places. I, even back in manufacturing, you know, you have a machine that's supposed to run at 1500 feet per second. Right. And the, Hey, we got to run it there. We got to run it there. But then you find out that even though that's what the machine set at, you, it's breaking down every week and you're down for hours repairing it versus if it ran at 1450 now it runs longer it doesn't mean run it consistently at 1450 it means you got to figure out okay let's run it at 1450 start to understand what's causing the break when it goes to 1500 so we can get it back there but it's you know just having that if you're a supervisor or something and you're staying there every single day like run 1500 run 1500 run 1500 and you're going to upset your employees because it's not working and so you have to sometimes step back, reassess, and then figure out how to work your way back to that number sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes KPIs or OKRs get put in place and they just become, like you said, the cutthroat industry in recruiting where it's all number-based. You got to make 100 phone calls a day. Well, that sounds great, but you're just going to burn out your best employees and they're going to leave. And yeah. that's truly not what you want at the end of the day. So you got to learn to work together to still get back to that goal. But how do you get there and understand what's causing you not to be there is really important. Do you work with stretch goals then within Select One? Yeah, we do. Uh, our whole process is, you know, here's the goal. Is it measurable? How do you measure it? What is the goal level, which is this is the expectation, right? Is typically the goal. And then the stretch goal is above and beyond, which creates more success and higher level bonus payouts or things like that. So, yes, we do set usually, you know, let's say it's a 20% stretch goal above whatever the regular goal is or based on what that. Right. OKR is we'll figure that out but yeah we do have a stretch uh people are aware you can see how we're aiming towards the stretch goal for sure interesting and and you mentioned there about if you know hitting the stretches you know going to get rewarded higher does that mean you've linked your OKRs to performance management um yes and no so we take our performance management, we used to do just your annual, semi-annual review performance management, and we've taken a little bit of a different approach over the last couple of years of we've less performance managed and we do career development management. So, you know, we really meet with people to understand career growth and what they're trying to achieve. We use right. the OKRs more on a weekly, monthly basis in meetings with the with production team to help identify problems where they're struggling and come up with solutions with them. Um, you know, and vice versa. If you're doing really well, we point out like, great job, you know, you're exceeding here and it's tied into a bonus. Um, but yeah, we use our OKRs directly into, we call them bonus kickers. So like, here's your regular production, you know, commissions or bonuses. And, if, you know, if you achieve these higher level goals, the stretch goals, by the way, you can get a multiplier times your bonus. And oh. we found that to be successful. So people can continue to drive for even more because it's, it works as a multiplier. But uh, this, go on, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, I was just going to ask, is that run at a team level or an individual level then? Um, so we've had it multiply out different ways. We've had it at an individual level for individual performance. And then that multiplies in. We've had it do a double multiply where it's multiplied at the individual. And if the team exceeds, then you get another additional. So it's like, at one, you know, at some points the bonus pool is made up of four or five different numbers that drive into it to help you achieve making more money as an employee. Um, you know, we found that to be a bit confusing for people, 
And sometimes, you know, someone would have a great six months and they'd be upset that they didn't get the bonus because the team didn't achieve what it was supposed to. And they felt they were too tied to others. So Mm -hmm. again, being dynamic has with OKRs and commission plans, you have to adjust accordingly to make sure you're getting a, the right production people are satisfied and feel like their work is honored. And so we've had to make adjustments to that too. Interesting. It sounds like you've got a pretty robust system sorted out for it anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's changed <laughs> it's <been laughs> up and down and try some different things because you're always trying to optimize it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I guess, so. Uh, I mean, like on the flip side of, of people getting upset about not quite hitting max bonus if the team doesn't achieve, but they've achieved individually. One of the things I'm always concerned about where OKRs are tied to performance management and, and individual OKRs and things like that is that somebody could smash their OKRs out the park, but if by doing so they completely screw over every one of their colleagues um, mm-hmm. you know, and make it impossible for them to hit their targets, that's not really beneficial for the business at all. No. No, I would I'd 100% agree. And I think... I mean, that's why, you know, I always say companies have managers for a reason. Um, Good managers (laughs) are leaders and they need to be aware of all these things and this data is in place and these measurements are in place for them to use to make strategic decisions and conversations. Mm. And it's, you know, it shouldn't, I think we might talk about that a little later in the conversation. OKRs are a company-wide system and they should be used for more than just tracking numbers or paying bonuses. They need to be made, used for having conversations. They need to be used for mm. performance management. They need to be used for strategic decision-making. And that's why you have them is to help you make good, sound business decisions across the board. And so when that occurs, it should be obvious that's occurring. If things are set up right or you're getting the feedback channels from your employees, and it should be addressed immediately because then it keeps it from fostering and growing within the organization in a bad way. Yeah, absolutely. No, you raise raise a really fair point. And I completely agree with you that OKRs have to become the company mindset and have to become the company culture and, and, and you know, the way things are done throughout the business. Um, mm-hmm. They don't really work for just, you know, using it for one little thing in one little part of the business. Um, completely agree with you on that. So, well, we're, we're kind of coming to, to the end of the, the time here, really, Kevin, but really interested in you know you've had a vast experience through manufacturing through tech you know through being an ops director up to ceo of companies um invested in in various other businesses so with such a wide experience what advice you could give to um you know a business leader that's just about to get going with that okr journey yeah i think um as, as a business leader, if that's where you're headed, you got to make sure you buy in first off. Because I think some people believe they hear the terminology, they want to do it, but you truly have to buy into it. You have to make that commitment, and it can't be a this is a project, and I'm going to commit to this project and get it in place mm. for three months, and then I'm just going to let it run. No, it's a it's a business lifestyle commitment that has to be made, and then you have to make sure you emphasize how important it is to you as the business leader. To your direct reports and they have to make sure they are always emphasizing how important it is to their direct reports and that's how you get buy-in through the whole organization of the importance of it if any of those pillars break down the whole system actually will fail and so it's really important to have complete buy-in across the board um, the only the other thing i would say especially as you start is don't try to make perfect over making production like you, mm. 
some people try to make the absolute perfect OKR system. These are the perfect measurables. This is how we're going to do this. And it's dynamic. And we talked about that earlier. It, it needs to be looked at and changed and adjusted. And you're never going to nail it. But you got to take a step. And you have to start doing it and then make those adjustments. If you try to make it perfect, you'll actually ever never roll it out. And your company will never start living by it. So I think complete 100% buy-in and actually having to live by it for a long yep. term. And being open-minded and understanding the adjustments that are going to need to be made as you go through it. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you failed. It doesn't mean it's not working. It just means it's evolving. Probably the two most important things. I just, I couldn't agree more. It's music to my ears, both of those things, to be honest. Um, you know, we've we've seen multiple instances of um, OKRs failing in a business because you know, the CEO or MD has, has gone away and read something like Measure What Matters and then typically instructs their head of HR or head of people or, or somebody in operations to, to go away and roll that out across the company. Um, mm -hmm. And it just falls down so quick because there's not that buy-in from the top level. Um, there's not the demonstration of commitment that, that there needs to be. Um, and yet, like you say, I've, I've seen so many conversations and I've had so many um you know potential clients that have fallen through because they think that they haven't got the time to to work on OKRs because they don't have the time to make the perfect system and you mm -hmm. know you've got you've got to start somewhere and if you if you have that mindset you're absolutely right Kevin you'll you'll never get going with OKRs you know give it a go yeah. um and, and work on it and evolve it to make it better yeah and it can start with baby steps like just Pick one OKR at the company yeah. level and understand how that will work for your organization. Do it for three or six months. And if you, you yeah. know, once you're comfortable with that, add a second one. And you don't have to do the whole robust thing right off the bat. Like you said, Absolutely. you read these books and it's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to do this whole thing. And it's like, that's a that can be jarring to an organization. So make sure yeah. you get it in at the pace that the organization is ready to accept it. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yes, Lawrence, it's uh, been a pleasure and looking forward to uh, future conversations and watching how, how the OKR world grows. Well, it certainly seems to be growing at pace, you know, still, which is, is really exciting. It's, it's wicked to see so many new industries embracing embracing the system. Um, so, so, yeah, thanks for joining us. Some really interesting insights. And, and thank you to everyone listening at home, at work, or in the car, or whatever you're doing. Any feedback that you want to give us, let us know. Um, any questions you have, just get in touch at growth at therebygiants.com. Um, but apart from that, join us next time for the next episode of Giant Talk, brought to you alongside the guys at Coan. Cheers. Bye.